Hey everyone. You are listening to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Green's beauty director, Alexandra Engler. On this podcast, we talk about beauty through the lens of well being. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. On this episode, I had on Jen Harper. She is the founder of Cheekbone Beauty. Jen is a big advocate for more sustainable packaging, ingredient traceability, and all around just trying to create a better, more thoughtful and community-driven beauty industry. And so much of the reason why, as Jen explains in this episode, is through her indigenous culture and upbringing and family. Throughout this episode, we talk about why representation matters and why it is so important that multiple points of view are raised in the beauty industry. I really, really loved this episode, and we had some really thoughtful conversations about what success means, about the implications of creating a brand that gives back, and about the challenges of wanting to live a more sustainable lifestyle while while also consuming beauty products. I know so many of my listeners do consider themselves conscious beauty consumers, and with that comes a lot of hard decisions and questioning some of the choices that we make day to day when consuming our beauty products. And we had a really, really honest conversation about all of those choices. I so thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think you guys will too. Jen, welcome. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited to hear more about your story and the brand Cheekbone. It is such a beautiful brand that I think just aligns so perfectly with MBG values. So I I feel like we will have a lot to discuss today and I'm so excited to get into it. But I always like to start off every episode of letting the audience and myself get to know you a little bit better. So you know, what's your story? What was your journey into the beauty industry? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I love this because it's so not the normal version. I think I, I've listened to beauty podcasts and, and so many over the last few years, but I had no experience in the beauty space. So I'm a mom, I'm a wife, and my whole career was actually in the food industry mm. and most specifically selling seafood for eight years prior to starting Cheekbone Beauty. So it started in 2015. I had this really crazy dream. These native little girls with their brown skin covered in lip gloss. And what I remember most about this dream, I pop out of bed, it's two in the morning, and it was literally their joy and laughter because they had made like such a mess of themselves. So at the same time, it's this crazy intersection of my life. I've been really open and honest about this journey. In 2014, November 26th specifically, I got sober. So I'd been battling alcoholism for many, many years. And then it's two months later, I have this dream. And at the same time, I'm learning about my grandparents' experience at what is now called residential or boarding school. So Native Americans, Indigenous people of North America, when colonization happened, the church and the government officials at the time created these schools that they put Indigenous people in to really assimilate them into more of a European culture and lifestyle. And what that meant was no longer 
longer could we speak our languages, no longer could they practice their any of their cultural practices and robbed them of so much. And now when I look back, I realize how it really impacted not only myself and my family in such negative ways, but I've learned that this is so common common among first people all over North America. So that's like the entrance into the beauty space. So, so naive. I, I will admit, I still like, I feel like I know nothing about this industry. I'm learning as I go, but it has been a wild, really exciting journey. And for me, the really, the I think the most important part of this entire process has been how much work we've been able to do for community and just being a brand that's representing Indigenous people, like our faces and our, our, and our culture in a way that I feel is really thoughtful. Yeah, you know, just to dig into that a little bit deeper, how did your Indigenous roots inform and affect your relationship with beauty? Because, you know, I, I think all of us have a relationship with beauty that that stems from, you know, how how we were raised and how the culture dictated certain things. So, you know, what do you feel that your background had any influence on on your relationship with beauty? Yeah, for sure. And and in on a few ways. And so firstly, I remember as I was building the brand, really thinking about my childhood and my experience as a young girl, when you don't even realize, I think, the impacts of not seeing yourself represented. Mm -hmm. And so now we talk about it as a brand on this almost psychographic level that you really don't know until you get to feel it or experience it, what it actually means to see yourself represented. And we we understand now the power of representation. We even speak about it at, at, at Cheekbone as how how much it will actually save lives. And and I'll share with you the reason I say that is I lost my brother BJ to suicide in the early development days of Cheekbone Beauty. And I'm so sorry. Thank you. And it's, you know, probably the literally the most painful experience of my life. I was thinking at the time, I'm like, why am I doing this? And then remembering conversations that he and I had in the early days when I would share with him, we didn't have a brand name, but I'm like, this is the idea. This is what I want to do. And he was just so moved by this idea of one of us, one of people that comes from the same community as I, as we did, you know, like someone that looks like us being able to build something that would, would one day be in a store or, or something like that. And it, and it wasn't even there at that point. And then I remembered a couple years ago and, and then most recently that power of representation. So he used to send me the most incredible, like funny DMs or messages ever he saw another Native person doing anything really, really cool. And and I thought about it recently because there's a show called Reservation Dogs that has become so mm -hmm. popular. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh my goodness, if my brother was alive, he would be sending me so many messages about this show because he would have felt so connected and represented. And we didn't, I didn't even know, I think in the early days of Cheekbone, what that actually meant, you know, until, sure. until we got to where we are today. And I think another powerful example of that for me was most a couple months ago, June 20, just this past June, Sephora and I in Canada did this huge campaign and there was a massive billboard in, in our mall here in Toronto called the Eaton Center. And I would go to that mall as a little girl with my dad. And, you know, we I grew up, lived in native public housing. Like that was just something fun for us to do on the weekends is when I would go visit him is he'd say, where do you want to go? And of course, 
course, it was like the Eaton Center or the CN Tower. Those are like the two fun things to do when you're a young person. And of course, I've always loved shopping and that still hasn't changed. But I never imagined as a kid any like me having a brand in a store like Sephora. Like that wasn't even a thought that would cross my mind. And now as an adult, was it because I never saw myself or somebody mm. who looked like me doing those things? Because then that night we got to do an event at Sephora in the Eaton Center and our customers were coming to visit, their customers are coming to visit. And the sweetest little 12-year-old native girl comes in with her mommy and her auntie and her brother. And she was so spunky and so excited to meet me and see the brand in the store and told us how she, you know, she has her TikTok account and she's <laughs> she's gonna cut become TikTok famous and just all of these things. And I thought, oh well, well, little like just the sweetest, sweetest thing. And I'm driving home that night and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what representation can do. Never will she question what she can build because she yeah. sees someone who looks like her that has built something. And so I I just, there's so much power behind having, you know, so many different groups of people, cultures, any segments of society feeling represented is so, so important. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think so, especially in the beauty industry, just because beauty is such an integral part of taking taking care of themselves and making sure that they feel beautiful and that they feel confident. And however that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis is entirely, you know, dependent on the individual. But, you know, at the root of it is this idea that we all want to feel beautiful, right? And so, you know, I, in that sense, I think the beauty industry has this, this importance and this responsibility to, you know, the larger population in this way and making 100%. them feel beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, that, that a little bit glides into a question that I wanted to ask you is what what is your beauty philosophy? Do you have one that, you know, shapes your day to day or shapes how you run Cheekbone? Yeah, we we believe in products that are going to be wonderful for us as human beings and wonderful for the planet, meaning like as least of an impact as we possibly can on on this gorgeous gift of the earth at this and at the same time still being efficacious but great for our skin, great for our overall health. Like we we know there's so many implications of beauty in that sense that things haven't always been made so beautifully. So what could we do as a brand to to ensure that we're doing the best that we can with the products that we put out into the world? And then at the same time, we are a brand that believes in, you know, that the products we put in the ingredients we use, we want it to be great for our skin. And so enhancing our skin, making our skin better, and then adding these just beautiful, lovely pops of color. So I look at it in this, you know, we, we try to connect everything back to nature. And when I'm in, in nature, you just see there's everything is these, there is so, so much vibrancy in, in flora and fauna that we see in the world, wherever you get to travel or visit. So we wanted to bring those pigments out in, in, in our makeup as well. So not only like be you the best you like make your skin better and enhance your beauty or what, and how, however you want to feel, but then adding those beautiful pops of color in it at the same time. Yeah. You know, speaking of beautiful pops of color, which, you know, you guys certainly have nailed. Why, why makeup? What was your call to makeup? Oh, Wow. Yeah. So early when this, when that dream happened, I have to tell you, like I've never owned a business. I, I've never had any inkling that that would be something possible for me. And so then when I started to think about it, I'm like, 
it just seemed like that was just the right, especially after that dream. I'm just like, this is okay. It was so real to me. Like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure out how to make this lip gloss that was from that dream. And, and really the whole purpose in the early days was I want to make a product. I was really a huge fan of brands like Tom's Shoes. And so this whole idea of social entrepreneurship. So from the beginning, our brand has given back portions of profits even, and we're not profitable. So I'm using profits in quotes, but we've given back. So if you make a purchase from Cheekbone Beauty, part of that purchase is going back to an organization or and, and several organizations, one that we support for, with environmental impacts. And, and then for us, most importantly, some that support Indigenous youth education. That's always been something that we want to support. So there's several different organizations, as well as last year, we were so happy to launch our own scholarship fund. So we gave out our first scholarship to an Indigenous youth last year. And I've always been personally passionate about education because I I truly think that that's going to change people's lives. It changes families. It can change communities. There's so much power in education. And and our communities, unfortunately, as Indigenous people, have been really underserved when it comes to education. I learned early on that reservations in Canada and the United States, for some crazy reason, our communities get less funding than regular school systems. And there's no reason for it other than just it's a battle between like state, provincial in Canada or or federal governments that nobody mm-hmm. wants to sort of pay that bill. And it's been a battle amongst them. But in the meantime, you know, Native kids are be- the ones being impacted by that. And so we've always been really passionate about supporting education. So we're grateful we got to do that. And it was just yeah. this whole idea of, okay, let's make a product and think of a way that we can use portions of that profit to give back. So that was the the sort of the foundation of our brand. And then we were, once I hit the industry, that's when I realized, oh my goodness, there's just so much room for change, especially when it came to the concepts of sustainability. And then again, looking at my Indigenous roots and how Indigenous people, I've always called them the OGs of sustainability. It's just the, yeah. the, the teachings that are taught and passed down from generation to generation. And many brands have used them, the whole seven generations teaching about thinking about how and what we do today impacts the next seven generations. So not mm-hmm. just the next generation, but your great, great, great grandchildren. And what you, when we think about that as Indigenous people, it's truly, what are we going to do so that we're leaving this earth in, in good conditions for all the generations to come? Listen, I have so many questions about sustainability from you because, you know, you guys clearly have that as a priority, but I wanted to ask a follow-up question about the giving back part. Uh, I know that obviously it is such a core part of your brand and it is so admirable that you guys do this, but I can't imagine that's, it's an easy thing to build into your business model, right? Like, I, I I assume that it it takes some maneuvering things around to make sure that you can that you can do it. And so, you know, just to dive into a little bit deeper, you know, why why was it so important? Yeah, you're you're yeah, you're definitely not wrong. This isn't easy. And it's kind of it's just who we are and it's how we've yeah. always done things. And, you know, learning that I, my culture, indigenous people, it's really interesting. A lot of our teachings and concepts are are just so innate in us. And when I started this, I realized that it is also another Indigenous teaching that the whole idea of success, you know, and in Western culture, it's about what you attain for yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. But with Indigenous people, it's what you do for your community. That's yeah. when you're perceived as being successful or have done wow. something of, of like iconic value. It's like, what have you done for your community? And it's kind of 
you know, being just raised that way, that it's always this idea about giving back. And it's not easy for a brand. It certainly isn't. So picking beauty was something that I've been passionate about since I was a little girl. And so I knew I wanted to enter the beauty industry. And then when I entered it to speak to, I realized, okay, this is an, an industry where the margins, there is enough room in the in in terms of margins where you can give back and so as a small business we are not answering to stakeholders because a lot of times in our in our in our space many brands are answering to stakeholders and it's about filling their pockets and making their them profitable and and wealthier whereas when you're a small business i personally my my i guess my belief system is if i create a healthy business i can pay all the people that work here i can pay myself we can pay our suppliers we can pay our you know anyone who we have to pay our bills all of those things and and then have enough to give back then to me we've created a healthy business right it's not yeah. about just creating wealth for certain individuals that have invested in the business. And that's definitely and certainly a different way of looking at business. And it's definitely driven by that social, that idea of social impact. Is it possible that it can work? Well, we've seen several or other organizations that do this. We definitely just need, you know, to keep growing our core circle, our inner circle of community to, to continue it, to keep going. But I believe it's really possible, but it's not easy. You're absolutely right. And, and it's about making choices and being really honest with people because we do have investors. Um, but I'm so like our investors are actually indigenous based as well from Vancouver, Canada, and they invest in businesses that focus on social impact. So it's something yeah. new in the, even in the investing world, it was called social impact investing. That's how they started their organization. And when we found each other, it was like a perfect marriage, right? It was yeah. the perfect match. So we're really lucky that we have that because I think traditional VC or venture capital is not looking to create a business, the kind of business that we we've created, right? Well, I mean, when you were explaining the idea of success and, you know, the the two different definitions of success that, you know, we we have, honestly, I got goosebumps because one thing that I think a lot of us have come to realize, especially the past few years through the pandemic, is that this very like individualist idea of success isn't sustainable and it puts a lot of pressure on all of us. And having a more community driven idea of success is is I think something that we should all be striving to to work for and like redefine in ourselves about like how we view success. So, you know, I think I not only do I think it's a beautiful philosophy, but I also think it's a philosophy that uh, our community needs in order to to thrive just because, you know, I think I think we're learning that this very individualistic way of viewing success isn't sustainable for the majority of people you know and it's like if you think about the platform you've created this is like these are this is a movement right that I think we're we're all a part of and it's redefining how we thought about everything and that's simply what it is it's like it's not working the way we've done it let's face it, yeah. where our, our planet is in trouble, our human race is in trouble, even just our character traits, they've only gotten worse over time. And that whole concept of self, 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 I, you know, 
I can't imagine you'd be truly happy just worrying about yourself your whole life. It, I, I don't think that exists. And and I think you're so much happier. We talked about that in our team meeting this morning at Cheekbone Beauty. It's just when something, when there's bad things that happen to all of us in our lives. And I'm always about like, okay, the moment that happens to like shift your mindset, go do something for someone else because it'll mm-hmm. take your mind off all your own problems. And they could be massive and big and not being unrealistic about them. But that whole idea of just like, okay, what could I do for somebody else right now that that's going to help me shift this, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. a whole, it's a movement that needs to happen. We just need more people to join. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, I, I want to move on to sustainability just because, you know, this is such a big part of your brand. It is such a big part of what we believe here. And I, you know, speaking of it not being easy, I also know that creating a sustainable brand has a lot of challenges that come with it, you know, supply chain, XYZ. But, you know, it is clearly something that you guys value. So the first question I'm asking is very basic, but I think it will set up the conversation that's to follow is why is sustainability important to you? Yeah, it it goes back again to really like, if you think of our home, this earth, it's a gift and we've really not done a great job as human beings. And I think it was weighing heavily on me. So this is going to, I feel like I got to pre-warn you because I want to get into like how Cheekbone started. So we started doing what is called white label, private label. I think it's a lot of house, a ton of small indie brands start. It's all I could afford. I've been honest that I'm like, I don't come from generational wealth. I literally started this with $500 in a corner in my basement. So I found this incredible white private labeler in, in the, in the area that was coming from Canada. Cause I was like, okay, I, I don't know about around the world, but I know at the time you could go on like Alibaba and you still can, and you could find some supplier to make you a lip gloss. And then I asked them questions about like sourcing. And of course there was no response. And I was like, okay, that, even though that was super cheap, like you could buy one for like a dollar a unit, I think. Right. And I was like that, okay, that's not the road I want to go. So I found somebody here. And then even when I started working with them, I started asking questions because they would put it in their packaging and put your logo on it. But at the end of the day, everybody that bought from them, you're getting the same thing. It's just a different brand logo, right? right? And I and I knew I was like, okay, that's not technically how I want this brand to start. But it's I was like, if okay, this is gonna just be a way I test the market, I guess, is mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. really I was like, let me see. Does anyone even care if this brand exists? Cause I'm like, indigenous people, we're five percent of the population. And if you look at things how investors look at it, that is a small market share. But I knew I was like, I this brand is not just for indigenous people. It's for people that care about our planet and it's for people that care about indigenous communities as much as I did. And I know that I knew that number would be much bigger than just a group of indigenous people. So we started using social media and it was just growing and growing. And like the first year I think we did, and I was working my full-time job selling fish at the time. And the first year I think it was like, we did like the 125,000 sales online from our Shopify store. The next year was like 250,000 and it's still just me by myself. And I was like, okay, we have something here. Like this is, you know, it felt like this is something. And then that's when I met the investor and went to them and was like, I need this money because I have this vision of a sustainable brand that I want to build and told them that story and they were in and they became our partners. And so that was the beginning of the journey. And then we started, you know, making our first lipstick and when those first years were happening, I was feeling so uncomfortable because 
I was learning that, you know, we had these beautiful shiny mailers and then I found out none of it was recyclable. Finding out and learning that recycling is such a BS story that we've told ourselves as human beings that that's the answer and it's really not. And it's such a complex conversation. Like there's not one perfect packaging solution. It's actually... It's there's everything is so nuanced and you had and there was so much information that I just started taking in and realizing, okay, so we could do this this way now. So the first step was literally just let's change the mailer. Let's find a paper mailer. So at least we know paper is is a biodegradable source, right? Like that's going to go, it comes from a tree, it's going to go back to the earth. And eventually, especially if we can avoid ending it up in a landfill and it having processed properly, it'll go back to a a new product or biodegrade in some shape or form. And, And it was just, it felt heavy. And as I've learned, I've just realized sustainability is something that I think I've always been passionate about. I just never maybe spoke to it as much. You know, I'm one of those consumers that I am in a store. And if I read something, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe let me look that up and see, is that true? And can I make a different choice there with a purchase? When I was selling seafood, I was so passionate about sustainable seafood. I would talk to my customers regularly about, you know, traceability and sourcing sure. and how aquaculture in in water was not the a great solution, but there was some incredible land-based aquaculture that was happening. Aquaculture is just seafood farming. It's a fancier word for that. <laughs> but I was always been passionate about just doing whatever I can to 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 leave less of an impact on the earth and that's where this whole passion came from. And then learning, the more I learned about my culture, the the more I realized, oh, wow, this is, this is something that is innate to Indigenous people. Yeah. And a great story I'll share quickly is my dad. He lives on our reservation, which is in Northern Ontario. And it was spring and I'm having a conversation with him and, on the phone. And he's like, oh, our cousins are here. They've come to visit. And I'm like, oh, like naming off all my cousins' names, Bruce, Rodney. He's like, no, no, the bears, they're coming out of the woods. It's spring, <gasps> right? And, and he calls them our cousins because as indigenous people we are in relationship with every living thing and it feels like family so air water animals all of it it that's that's family and we are just taught so even when I think of practices that my father has done since I was a little girl we'd have a family event it's generally called a feast and I remember being in Scarborough we and that's where we were living when he he took me to the woods after this family feast and he has plates of food and he's burying them because that's part of our we were give back to the land what we took from it right and so these are all things that I didn't realize how powerful they were obviously when I was a little kid but now the more I learn I just realize that this is truly something that that is innately part of Indigenous people's culture. Yeah. I think one thing that you said earlier that I wanted to chat about is this idea that there is, at this time, there is no perfect solution across the board, right? And there's so much nuance with all of these choices. And I think that's something that the consumer probably feels the the brunt of the confusion about, right? They're they're told for that sure. they should purchase this because it's better for XYZ reasons. And then another, you know, another story that they read says, oh, actually don't buy things with that packaging because it has a bigger carbon footprint or whatever it is. Like there's always all these asterisks with everything that we say about this conversation. And I 
I feel bad for the consumer because how are they supposed to know what the right choice is? You know, they it's it's all confusing. And I'm somebody who spends their whole work day researching stuff and I find it confusing. Like how is somebody who doesn't do that supposed to know what to do? So you know, you're somebody who thinks about this often and has to make these choices, you know, given what what is available to you for packaging and, you know, has to weigh the pros and cons of everything. So I, I want to ask a little bit more about like how the consumer can better find things that meet their value. Yeah, I will agree with you. And I think just to give us all like a some some like I guess weight lifted off our shoulders it's our brains are created to understand black and white right yeah. like that is simple for us it's an easier decision unfortunately this is so gray this area and I and and we look at this now as okay as the consumer they have so much information and as a brand we're honest and open and say you have to make the best choice for what for what is what's what what kind of person are you like what kind of customer do you want to be because it's really it's really going to be about that like there and there is no one one answer when it comes to the packaging side of things right like I don't think it's been invented yet the right solution to be perfectly honest forever and and will it ever we don't know I think there's brilliant people in school right now I think there's brilliant companies working on incredible stuff but there's nothing perfect there it's a journey that's how we talk about it regularly like this sustainability it's a journey there's no one endpoint for us our our paper lipstick tube and that is all going to change in 2023 we oh, wow. we yeah, we have had some struggles. It's paper. It is biodegradable, compostable, vegetable dyes, all of those things. But there was still the plastic component. And then we know that we're a partner of PACT. So obviously there's there's a solution for that piece of plastic. But the more we've researched and dived into things, we honestly believe that refillability is literally going to have to replace the whole concept of recyclability. Because again, Everyone, I think, you know, and I, I will keep repeating because I think it's so important. I understand that. What is it? The new research shows that only 5% of the things yeah. that we think are getting recycled that get recycled. That is not enough. And part of our mission now is not adding to the landfill, right? So at mm. Cheekbone Beauty, that's like part of our core mission. We always, we're here to inspire and empower Indigenous people by representation, creating sustainable products, but that don't end up in a landfill. And we're like really adamant about repeating that because we're like, how can we actually make that happen? And so the whole concept, I think refilling things is really, you know, the part of the best solution is something that someone can have for not only their lifetime, but another lifetime and it be refilled. Like to me, that feels like it's, and, and when we're in consumer goods, I have to be really honest with people like that is we're, we're wanting you to buy something that's not sustainable in itself. And so I'm always open and honest about that. And as a founder, but of course, this is where you got to find the brands that are really doing wonderful things in the world, right? And and align yourself with those because I truly believe that that's where, you know, we're going to see differences made. We understand we're such a small brand and we're in this, I got, I feel so out of place. Like I, for one, I didn't come to the beauty industry with any experience. I, I, I have learned as I've grown and 
it's just such a competitive, massive industry. Are we going to be here to make a change or a difference? But the only, like I wake up every day knowing that I feel so passionate about empowering our next generations of Indigenous kids that even if we don't make an indent in the sustainability realm as much as we want to, but maybe we will. And maybe this is yeah. just a little a little step in the right direction to force the major conglomerates to do things differently, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. you know, you read and you hear they are, and then you hear the, are they reallys, right? But so yeah. I think it's about consumers and then consumers have the power. Like we make sure on our website, our sustainability mission is there. We've created our own, we call them BNAD beauty standards because I feel like the clean conversation, as you well know, is so convoluted. So complicated. <laughs> and there's nobody in regulatory or compliance defining what that means. And, and this is a global now marketed term that none of us understand, yeah. but we all just know, like, I believe honestly that we really do want to create better products, right? And so I think it's a good start, but yeah, it's really messy and it's really hard and there is no one answer for what is the best. But I believe like if I was to say, if you want to look at something, I think refillability is is the way to go. And the whole concept, you know what? Think of how you can use less. Like that's yeah. just the in reality what to do as a consumer. Yeah, I... I think refillability is so important and I I think it also requires a little bit of shift in the beauty culture to get there because I think I think for so long like it was so the beauty industry was all about like unboxing videos and like shelfie photos where it would be like a hundred different products and you know people being like oh like can you believe it I finished this product to the last drop and it's like well you should be finishing all your products, you know? Yes. And so, you know, I think there's, I, I think for so long in the beauty industry, there was like this culture of consumption that just pushed people to more and more and more. And that's how you proved that you were a beauty fan. And I definitely think that it's not necessarily like a backlash to that, but I do think that there is this other movement now that is, you know, coming in to hopefully replace that culture and say, hey, like, we need to rethink about how we talk about our products and how we talk about beauty and, you know, find things that we love and then, you know, cherish those things and use them and, you know, don't don't view them as disposable or one-time use or whatever it is. You I know, would so- love to see the beauty influencer with the picture of, like, the only, like, her rider dies, right? Like, there's nothing yeah. else in the cover, just the ones you cannot live without. And this whole concept, so it's pushed in the industry because, you know, I've literally, I dreamt about starting this, like, you know, coalition of founders now that are pushing against what retailers want because they all want newness, right? Yeah. And, and that is, you know, about more consumption, like, cause they yeah. all just want all the brands to bring new, 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 new to the industry, which is, it, it is important because I believe newness, I'd rather not use the word newness. I want to see innovation. I think that's mm-hmm. where the key and the power lies, which we can talk about because I, as an indie brand, I'm so proud that we actually have our own lab and chemist yeah. that sits with us in our, in our, on our, in our, at our headquarters every day as we're working on innovative products. But I dream about this coalition of founders that are like will push against the the retail industry of like no and the whole industry as a whole like let's not do newness let's think about innovation instead yeah 
I love that shift. It's not about newness. It's about innovation. And, you know, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about your formulas and let's talk about, you know, why you in- include the ingredients that you do and, you know, where you are looking for innovation. It, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is like, where do you find inspiration for your formulas and your products? Do you do you have a source that you look to to push yourself in this innovative yeah, I think, you know, I, without having any experience in this space and the seeing, I think, you know, how big companies do it, because I have no idea. I'm learning little bits as I get to meet more people within the industry. But I would, when I started, it was just at first, I'm like, the first three products we came out with were, again, not the ones we made, but I Google searched the top three searched products. And at the time it was contouring, thanks, I think, to the Kardashians and lipstick, which was, I think, an all time always like topped Google search beauty item and brows were big. So the first three items that we launched were just a lipstick, a contour kit and a brow product. And those were the first three because those were the top Google searched items. And then now, as I spent more time here, I was always, we think about it as how can we create products that are needed, like that that you absolutely need this and that could be possibly multiple use. Like those are ways that we try to think about it. Like how can someone use this in more ways than one? Are they going to use the whole product? Because when I looked in my beauty my beauty drawer, makeup drawer, like how many products do you never get through, right? And I felt like that was such a waste. Like how can we use products that we know they're going to use all of? And then now, the, as much as I've started dabbling and learning so much as I possibly could about sustainability, it all became about upcycling. So... I would look and find, so raw ingredients are like the ingredients that go into each formulation. And then what happens in our industry is you're actually working with like raw ingredient suppliers. And these are generally big chemical organizations. And I'll use the word chemical because everything's a chemical from a science perspective. (laughs) I know. I was like, yeah. So these are large chemical suppliers, but that specifically focus on cosmetics industry. Some actually do multiple industries. I was fascinated to learn that. But coming from the food industry, some do have like multiple layers of their their business. But so finding those suppliers that were focused on sustainability as well. And so, and then looking at the ones that were using that concept of upcycling and we would source ingredients from there. And and what happens is Lexi or our former chemist will would just be like ordering samples. And then what you get from these samples is then they can start playing in the lab and we can be like what if you mix this and are doing this and but for us you know all along I'm like a lipstick formulation is not difficult it's an oil a wax and pigment but here's where it gets interesting is I learned about the pigment industry is these you can buy really cheap inferior pigments but chose to work with pigment suppliers and all of our products that we know test for things like heavy metals regularly. So we get a report from our pigment suppliers every single week or month. I can't remember when it is, but they're telling you that everything, yeah, safe. Like, And these are things that happen. And so when you work with people that have, and I think it's just about rep, like reputable reputations and understanding that you pay more to work with somebody that operates like that. And then knowing that how they source their ingredients and and they're open and honest about sharing that and they share your supply chain and so that's where 
I learned a lot in the early days was so many people weren't willing to share those. And then I'm like, well, we're, we're, we won't be working with you anymore then, right? So it's about just finding these incredible organizations that are making incredible raw ingredients. And then we started working on this really cool project on our own in terms of innovation. I mentioned we're from the Niagara region in Canada, which is the largest wine region in our country. And we're taking grape waste, so grape stems, skins, and seeds at the moment. We've partnered with a local winery that has Indigenous roots as well. And what is really cool about this project is the grape varietal that we're working with is actually native to North America. Most of the grape varietals that have come to North America have been imported by Europeans. Obviously, that was a big part of European culture, wine. So they brought it over here when they came. But this grape variety has been native to this land for thousands of years. So Indigenous people have been using it. And it's really awesome because the project's going very well. And we're pulling active ingredients that are many in many skincare brands, actually. A lot of, I hate the word anti-aging, but that's what they're called. A lot of anti-aging type actives like resveratrol and figuring out how we can incorporate those in future formulations that we have or formulations that we currently have. But it's really exciting to see the project coming to life. And we got samples back from the university that we've partnered with on this and they sent it and these students were just super pumped because they're like, it worked. And I'm, I, I was like, I knew it was going to work because Cotalie does this in France, right? Yeah, I'm like, totally. I'm like, this isn't new. I was new. thinking of them when you were talking yeah. about this. Yeah. Well, they're amazing, you know, innovation from their brand side of things. But I'm like, what I love about our project is, is definitely unique to our territory. Absolutely. I love yeah. that, you know, just like the chain of events that follows that, you know, ingredient story. I clearly it's very well thought out and very well rounded. And, you know, I, I hearing about ingredients like that, just like that's that's the thing that I love most about beauty. Like I love talking about ingredients and I love interesting ingredient stories. Like I think it's just so, so fascinating. Do you have any other ingredient highlights? Yeah, even so in our lipstick. So the lipstick tube bullet was the first project. So again, we went, we had the private labeler and then, you know, I was like, okay, let's start this journey. And we started with the lipstick and it, it takes, like, I, I think the average consumer doesn't realize how long an actual product to come to life, especially in beauty, takes for a brand that's actually developing formulations. Many organizations are just buying from a manufacturer that already made the stuff, so it's super simple. But a project, can gen- it takes like 18 months to two years, and, and depending on iterations and changes and formulations and all those sort of things. So we started this lipstick bullet, and sourced all the ingredients. And one of my favorites is because locally, it's a friend that I met at an entrepreneur event. She was sourcing shea butter and she had met these people and she went to East Africa. She's actually worked with the farmers and the community. And what I love about it is she became, she's made her shea butter, like it is grade A or 100% organic, 100% fair trade. And it also just the stories of how much when you source like this, like it literally supports the community. It's given women in this in this village jobs. And then they take the waste from the shea nut and actually that becomes fuel, how they feed their families. Like it builds their fires and, and helps them cook their dinners. And I'm just like so passionate and love the when I get to find out how much 
when you can source something from such an incredible source and realize that that's gone into our product. Like, so I always like love having these con- conversations with our customers and our community because when you're wearing our product, you're, you're like, it's doing so much, right? Like you're, it's so much more than just a lipstick to us every day. We're like, it's just, you know, it is just lipstick, but is it just lipstick? Cause we all talk about the power of like beauty and products and, and, and what that means. And just understanding the, I think the lengths that we've gone to to ensure that we're just putting just incredible ingredients yeah. and working with incredible partners to make these products. Yeah. You know, I think, I think hearing stuff like that is important too, because, you know, when, when beauty consumers and, you know, I'm a beauty consumer, when we think about, or when we hear about all the different lives and areas that go into the final product, right? You know, like all the people that go into the creation of a formula, into the creation of, or into the sourcing of ingredients, et cetera, et cetera, you get so much of an, more of an appreciation for what you're using. And I do think that adds to the experience. You know, beauty is so experiential, right? Like we want to love what we're using. We want to love what we're putting on our bodies, our faces. And I think a part of that is appreciating all the work that goes into it because, you know, you you put it on and not only does it make you feel good about yourself from an aesthetic standpoint, but you can feel good about it because, you know, you think about all of the lives that it has touched to get to the point where it's in, you know, your on your vanity. So, and I think know, that I, I love the key that. thing. Yeah. And our we are our tagline is do good, feel good, look good, right? We've always kind of had that as our sort of underlying theme of like that's who we are at Cheekbone Beauty. But in and that's really amazing. I love like I had a friend that I met from from high school and they ran into her and she's like, I bought your products. And I'm like, oh thank you so much. She goes, I don't know what I don't even know how to describe it, but she's like I just feel good using it. Not only do I love the product, but she's like, I just feel so good knowing that I know all the things you've done to yeah. to put into the product and how much you're giving back to community. She's like, it just makes me feel so good as a consumer to wear that. And I was like, wow, that's really, really special. Yeah. And I think it's important. I think it's important to, you know, uh, share stories like this and, you know, learn about the stuff that we're putting on our skin and learning the stories behind it because, you know, it, a lot of this stuff has stories like yours. So the last thing I want to chat with you about is your own routine and how you take care of yourself. Why don't we start with your beauty routine? You know, obviously we could talk about makeup, but I want to hear about all the other steps too and, and how you take care of yourself. Yeah, so, so important. I think for me, it starts on a spiritual level that yeah. to me is literally the most important thing. So every day, prayer, meditation, spending time in nature. Those are so key. Drinking four liters of water a day at minimum. <laughs> I drink time. And as I've aged, that's even, you know, so much hydration, you know, as many green foods as I possibly can squeeze in. And yeah. I know friends ask that. I'm like, I literally just blend it in a blender and chug it. I'm like, I'm, I'm never <laughs> saying, and I go, you, there's ways to make it all taste better, but I'm like, as many green vegetables as, ma- as much throughout the day as I, I can handle. I try to read. I don't have, I feel like I don't have as much time to read as I once did, but I do love reading and learning. And and then of course, spending time with my family, you know, making yeah. time for that. As a former addict, when someone with addiction, you, I've just realized the power of routine 
and and trying to stay balanced. I was really open in the early days and sharing this about how I realized, you know, I read a really incredible book called The Power of Habit by Dr. Charles Duhigg. And what it taught me was, one, I had the power to change how my brain was wired to be to be an alcoholic at the time. And I had the ability to change that. I changed my sort of routing system to work on cheekbone beauty. It's definitely been a big part of my recovery. But then I do have to be careful because you can become obsessed and addicted to building a business just as much as I was with, with alcohol. So just being very, very careful that I do have that balance and knowing when to shut off and turn it off. But uh, yeah, balance and all of those things is so, so important. Yeah. I, I think it's so important to talk about taking care of yourself from all of those angles. So thank you for sharing. Before we go though, what are your favorite cheekbone beauty products? Like what, what are the ones that you use for yourself? So I'm sure they're all your favorites. I know this is so hard. It's like the (laughs) lipstick was like the first one that we really formulated and created. So I've always like loved our sustained lipstick bullets, but our complexion pencils, I'm telling you, they are one of my favorite products. Like it's the best. I feel like I'm so proud of this, you know, recreating the formulation to be this pencil product that can just do such a multitasking job and be so effortless, but then also treat your skin so well at the same time. But it's, it's just you only a little smidge better. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me today and sharing all this incredible information. And sharing your story and, you know, the ethos behind what you've built. I I think this has been really, really so inspiring. And I know that I've walked away learning so much and a, a few new ways to look at the world. So thank you so, so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want more beauty content, you can find it at mindbodygreen.com or any of our social channels. And finally, if you liked this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.